Well, good morning, Frontline Church. So good to be with you in the house this morning. I'm sure you will agree with me, Church, when I say that there isn't a better place to be than right here worshiping our Savior. Whether it's through the Word, whether it's through worship, or even in your serving this morning, even in your giving, we are here to worship our King. Church, who believes that it's a privilege to be here, not a right? Who believes that we get to do this? That we get to come to this place to offer up our worship to a God that has given so much to us. Our being here today is not as much about us as it is about the one who created us. So whatever we do today, let's do it unto the Lord. And let's just always be reminded or mindful of the great privilege that we have to come here to be a part of what God is doing in our church. If you're thankful for that, if you're thankful for what God is doing in your life and in your church, can we just give the Lord a great shout of praise in this place? Amen. Let's pray together this morning. So, Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we want to commit this time to you. We want to commit this word to you. Father, I pray that whatever comes from this pulpit today will glorify and honor you and that it would edify and strengthen your people. Lord, let us not leave here the same today. Open up our spiritual eyes and ears this morning to hear your truth that brings hope, that brings life and strength. This truth that brings correction and direction. And Lord, we ask today that you would let this word drop deep into our spirits, that we would be people that are be empowered by your word to come against the plans of the enemy to bring us into a place of darkness, of fear and anxiety. Lord, we know that your power is made perfect in our weakness, so we pray that you would come and do that work in us even right now. Help us to walk in the authority that you have given us and lead us into the destiny that you have created for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, church, I'm really excited to be with you this morning to share part three on our series, Releasing the Grip of Anxiety. I don't know if you felt the same through the series, but isn't it awesome to see how much God cares about the things that we are going through in this life? How much He cares about the finer details of what we are facing? What has really struck me as we've been studying the Scriptures of how to deal with anxiety is how specific God is in His Word on how to come and overcome the issues we face on a day-to-day basis. You know, God didn't just say, whatever situation you're in or circumstance, that you know what, just get over yourself and, and move on. He gave us His Word. He gave us His Word to lead us and guide us along the best pathway for our lives. Not the second best, but the, the best pathway. Because you see, church, there is a second best out there. There is an almost good enough solution out there. And the enemy will want you to believe that you don't deserve the best for your life. He wants you to believe that you can have a partial victory or partial breakthrough in your situation, but that for some reason you're not worthy of complete victory or breakthrough. But you know, my God says that I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. My God says that in His name, His promises are yes and amen. And you see, church, there comes a time in our lives where we have to take the truth of God's Word and believe it for ourselves. We have to get to that place where we believe what is in the Word of God is is true for my life. Not just for the saints in the Bibles, not, not just for other believers, but true for me. We're going to be speaking about releasing the grip of anxiety this morning and 
We can either see today as just another word on another Sunday morning, or we can take hold of the truth in God's Word and find breakthrough in the areas of our lives where the enemy continues to bring deception. So I want to make a call to you this morning. If you feel for some reason that God's truth is not for you, I want you to know this morning that the enemy has been lying to you. He's been deceiving you. And I don't know who this is for today, church, but I, I really feel the Lord compelling me to tell you this morning that, that it's time. It's time to take hold of His truth and, and believe it for your life. It's time. It ties into what, what Esther was praying this morning. And in my preparation this week, the Lord gave me a vision. He gave me a vision in a way that I've never experienced before. And He gave me a vision of someone that has fallen into a deep, dark, and dry well. And this person can't get out. And they're trying to claw their way out. They're trying to claw their way out. They get half their way up and even three-quarters of the way up. And, but they keep falling back into the darkness. And they can see the light above them. They can see freedom above them. But they can't climb their way out. And it's so dark and so scary inside as well, but they can't get out within their own abilities. And as I looked around in this vision church, I saw a rope hanging right next to this person that was leading all the way out to the well, out into freedom. So there was a way out. And in my vision, this, this rope represented the Word of God. But this person was so scared to take hold of this rope because they weren't sure how secure this rope was. They weren't sure that if they began to hope in breakthrough and freedom again, that their hopes would be secured. And so they just kept on trying to claw their way out on their own, not sure if this rope would be secure enough to, to go to freedom, you know, to climb to freedom. And I thought to myself, you know, why would this person just climb out? Because there's a way out. There's a way out into the light. There's a way out into freedom. And as I looked around in this vision, I saw that on the walls were these bricks, these bricks that constructed the, the walls of the well. And on the bricks were the words written, betrayal, disappointments, broken relationships, fatherless homes, lack of identity, hopelessness, unloved. I saw fear. I saw anxiety. I saw hatred and death. And then I realized why this person didn't want to try to climb to freedom because they just didn't want to be let down again. They didn't want to put their hope in something that could possibly even bring them into liberty, so they just remained in the darkness. And church, and then I saw in this vision, this rope, the Word of God started to become red. And as I looked closer, I saw this blood that was dripping all the way down this rope, from the top all the way down, and it kept on dripping down until this rope was completely saturated in blood. And as I followed the blood all the way to the top and outside of the well, I saw Jesus standing there holding the rope with his, 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 his hands pouring with the blood that came from the scars from the cross. And I realized in that moment, church, that the promises of God's Word are secured in the blood of Jesus Christ. The promises of God's Word are secured by the, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And if we will just trust in the truth of God's Word and His promises over our lives and that it is secured by the, the blood of Jesus, He can pull us out of every dark well that the enemy tries to keep us imprisoned in. And you may be wondering, you know, Pastor, what does this have to do with anxiety? 
I was wondering the same this, this week when I got this vision. I wasn't sure if it was for today or for another time, but as I continued in my preparation for the Word, the Lord showed me why. And I believe there is something very key that we will uncover today that will give us a, a greater revelation of the power of our approach to God's Word and, and what it means for our lives. And I'm trusting the Lord to, to bring it to a conclusion where we can all understand at the end of the service this morning. Church, as you know, the key scripture that we've been focusing on in our series of releasing the grip of anxiety is from the book of Philippians, chapter number 4, from verses 4 to 9. And today I want to focus on one word, just one word, but one word that carries so much power. But just for the sake of bringing context this morning, let's read the entire passage together, if you will, beginning, beginning in the first four. You can read with me if you like. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Excuse me, to God. <laughs> and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And if you've been here the past couple of weeks, you would have heard how we have navigated our way through this powerful passage of Scripture, getting into the heart of what the Scriptures really mean for us and how we can deal with anxiety. Has it helped you this series so far, church? And in essence, what we've really been doing, church, is identifying antidotes to the poison of anxiety. Week one, we identified the symptom of anxiety. We looked at it. We understood the implications. And then every week, we looked at an antidote that nullifies this poison of anxiety. And as I was preparing this week, I thought it would be useful if we had an acronym that, that could help us remember what these verses really mean to us. So have a look at this word. It's the word rest. And if we go back from week one of the series, what would you say that, that the R stands for? Rejoice, that's right. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. And you remember we spoke about rejoicing in the Lord, not rejoicing in our circumstances. And if we rejoice in certain theological truths about the Lord in His Word, we will have a supernatural peace as we plant ourselves between the fact that God is good and the fact that He is in control. We can have, we can have security in that. So the R stands for rejoice. Last week, if you remember, we spoke about praying differently. And we focus on the words prayer, petition, and request. We learned why it's important to pray more specifically, not just generally, because we want to be people that are effective in our communication with the Lord. So the next two letters in the acronym will be the words inquire specifically. Inquire specifically because we want to be specific in our prayers so that we can get to the root cause of what's going on deep inside of us. So that just leaves us with a T, right? And that's what we're going to focus on this week. 
One powerful word, and this word is found in verse 6 of our key passage of Scripture. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Someone say thanksgiving. So, that's what the T stands for, it's thanksgiving. We can complete that acronym. And church, write that down for safekeeping and, and use it when you need to find rest. You know, when the enemy starts to overflow your mind with fear and anxiety and worry, just start to rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in your, your circumstances. Rejoice in the fact that God is good and that He's in control. And when you want to get to the root cause of issues in your life, when you spend time alone with the Lord in prayer, inquire specifically. And then naturally the T stands for thanksgiving, of which we will get into today. The antidote of thanksgiving. Church, if we're going to nullify anxiety in our lives, we are going to have to become people that give thanks in every situation. And the quickest route out of anxiety is to develop a habit of thanksgiving in your life. Do you know why that's important? Because thanksgiving and anxiety cannot occupy the same space at the same time. They just cannot coexist. And what I'm calling us all to do today is to be people that are thankful. To learn to practice to be in this discipline of thanksgiving every day. It is said that it takes between 30 to 60 days to form a habit in your life. And if you will apply what the Word is teaching us today, before long, gratitude and thanksgiving will become a habit in your life. And there are a couple of principles that I want to show you today that will help us get a better understanding of why this is important. Again, I want to make this, this practical for you. Number one, thanksgiving will change your perspective. It will literally change your perspective. You see, anxiety looks ahead while thankfulness looks back. Thanksgiving allows you to live in the world of already and enough rather than in the world of not yet and not enough. And you see, thanksgiving has the ability, church, to look toward the present blessings as opposed to future fears. Anxiety is a future fear, but thanksgiving is a firm foundation in your past. And what's really interesting, church, research shows us and tells us that thankfulness has so many positive benefits for our lives. And if you could package thanksgiving into a capsule, it would be a miracle drug, and you would be an overnight success. Because what research shows us is that thanksgiving actually helps us to get better sleep which means less fatigue, which means less depression, right? Which means less money spent on all the drugs trying to cure all these, these symptoms. Thanksgiving gives us the opportunity to better our health. And it has been proven that it can actually reduce inflammation on a cellular level within our bodies. Don't ask me how they proved it, but I'm, I'm relying on the research here. So what you really need to understand this morning, and this is important, is that Happiness does not make you thankful. It's easy to get mixed up here because we think we have to be thankful and then that, or to be happy, and then that will make us thankful, right? But it's the opposite. It's thankfulness that makes you happy. It's being thankful in whether you're in a good situation or a bad situation where you can be thankful. You can be happy. You can be joyful. Very important principle. 
Thankfulness is simply recognizing that God is good and that you have been given so much that the life that you have is a gift even if it comes with some hardships and that you can trust Him with your future. Amen? Number two, thanksgiving is what you give. It is something that you give. Remember the word is thanksgiving, not thanks receiving, right? And church, once you start to exude thanksgiving wherever you go, we become positive people. We become people that create atmospheres for breakthrough wherever we go. We don't become negative people that that go around whining, moping, and making everyone else miserable. You know what I mean, right? Do you know someone like that? You know someone where there's always one issue after another? The glass is empty kind of a person? I mean, it could be the most beautiful day outside. It's sunny and warm outside. And you're outside, you're experiencing the the sounds and the sights of nature. And you want to get out there. You want to go for a a mountain bike ride. Or you want to go have a swim in the the ocean or in the, the swimming pool. And they're like, you know what? It's uncomfortable. It's hot out here. We need rain. No, you need Jesus, my friend. You know what I mean? (laughs) And unfortunately, church, if you're that type of person, when people see you coming, they're running in the opposite direction. Nobody wants to be around you. I'm just keeping it real here this morning. People don't like to be around negative people. If what you have to say brings down the mood all the time, change the way that you speak. Be a person that gives thanks and speaks life into to every situation. And I know I may be treading on some dangerous ground here this morning, but if there is one person that would be honest with you about your attitude, it's your spouse. Right? And if you can muster up the courage this, this afternoon or this evening, ask them, what is it like to be married to me? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Okay, granted, you may be eating two minute noodles tonight or sleeping in a spare bedroom, but ask someone you love. Ask them, am I a positive person or am I a negative person? If they love you, they will tell you the truth. You guys understand? <laughs> My wife said she'll make dinner for you tonight if you're done to get dinner, all right? Um, Church, why it's so important for us to have this, this attitude of thanksgiving or this characteristic of thanksgiving in your life is because. Thanksgiving builds resilience. It builds resilience. You see, church, what will set you apart in life is not your degree. It's not what school you went to or how gifted you are or how beautiful and handsome you are. What will set a man or a woman apart is their resilience. And church, listen, Thanksgiving builds resilience because it sets a strong foundation through the hard times in your life. And it's my prayer that, that frontliners, which, which is all of us, will be known as some of the most joyful, thankful, and resilient people around. And that we would be people that speak life into to every dark situation. And the way that we do that, church, is you lock into this daily discipline, this habit of thanksgiving. And it will change your perspective and it will change the way that you give of yourself. You know, having the luxury of spending three weeks in the, the same passage of Scripture, it's really been good for me to really get into the depths of what the Scriptures mean. One thing I can't get my mind away from, church, is the person who's writing this. The Apostle Paul, 
He's in a prison cell and he's the one talking to us about Thanksgiving. And in case you didn't know that he was there almost four years by the time that he wrote the book of Philippians. And he was not there under comfortable conditions, let me tell you. All the, the dirt and grime and filth that you can imagine was in that prison cell. And all the while facing the strong likelihood of being beheaded by the Emperor Nero. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, even the situation he found himself, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, church, Paul found the answer. He found the answer to giving thanks in every situation. And he says this very clearly in, in, the, same, in the same chapter. He says in verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do all things. I can face all that I'm facing, everything that tries to bring me into this well of darkness through him who gives me strength. Paul found the answer. Do you know what the answer is? The answer is Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, just Jesus. And Paul understood this. He understood that there was something beautiful about this name. There was something powerful about this name. Did you know that in the book of Philippians, Paul mentions the name of Jesus 40 times in 104 verses? That means Jesus is mentioned once every basically two and a half verses. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Church, and I want you to write this down if you can or, or make a mental note of this. Jesus is the answer to unlock your thanksgiving in life. Jesus is the answer to unlock your thanksgiving in life. And I know this may sound like a bit of, bit of a broad statement here this morning, but, but hear me out here. And for the sake of it, let's call this number three. And let's call number three, thanksgiving confirms our faith in the cross. Thanksgiving confirms our faith in the cross. What was really interesting, church, when I started looking at the Greek definition of the word thanksgiving and the root of the word is that it opened up my eyes to a whole new understanding of this word. The Greek word for thanksgiving is the word eucharistia. Again, I hope I'm pr pronouncing it correctly, but eucharistia means thankfulness or giving of thanks. Right? But what really blew me away, church, was that the word Eucharist, right, is the Greek word that is used for the Lord's Supper or the Holy Communion. And when I saw this, it was almost as if I was hit by this, this wave of revelation. That thanksgiving comes from a place of knowing and believing from the depths of your heart and your mind that the truth of God's word is secured by the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving confirms our faith in the cross. And church, that's why we can give thanks in every situation. Because if we truly believe in the power of the blood of Jesus, even if we are facing some of the most difficult situations in our lives, we will be able to say thank you. And may I be so bold as to say this morning that our approach to thanksgiving or the measure with which we give thanks is determined by our revelation of the cross and what it means for our lives. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Thanksgiving is really just our acknowledgement of the power of the cross. And church, that's when I realized why the Lord gave me this vision. 
this vision about this person that, that fell into this well. And I realized that if we are to get out of the dark wells of our lives where the enemy is holding us captive, we have to believe in the truth of God's word and that it is secured by the power of the blood. And breakthrough will come as we give thanks in, in the knowledge of what Christ has done for us, what he's done for you and for me. You know, church, if I were to be stripped of everything that I had today, okay, not my clothing, I'm saying everything that I ever had, everything that I ever held dear in my life, and I just had the power of the cross, that would be enough. Because what's the worst that could happen to me? I would die and be with him, right? And I know that sounds kind of fatalistic, what I'm saying this morning, because we still want to live out our lives here on this earth. We still want to fulfill our, our purposes and our plans, but... If we don't live with this complete abandonment to the power of the cross, we will forever be clawing our way out of the dark wells of our lives. And I really believe that the, the price that Jesus paid was, was not just for a partial breakthrough, a partial victory in our lives. It was for so much more. We need to believe that. At church, if we approach the Thanksgiving from the position of the price that Jesus paid for you and for me, Church, I believe that no weapon formed against us will prosper. I believe that as we take hold of this truth, that we will be able to do all things through Him who gives us strength. This is the way that we fight our battles. From this knowledge, from this position. Now I'm going to start to close this morning. I'd like to ask the worship team to please come up. But as I close this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning to take hold of the rope. If you're in a dark place, take hold of the Word of God, believe in its power, believe that it is secured by the blood of Jesus, and believe that it's for you. There is power in the cross, church, and let us be a people today that give thanks from that position. This is the way that we fight our battles, not from the position of, of lack or insecurity. Or in the darkness we find ourselves in. We, find, we fight from this position. Church, the reason I wanted to bring the word before worship this morning is because I want to give you today, I want to give you the opportunity to worship and give thanks to the Lord from the revelation of the cross. I want you to get a, a picture in your mind this morning of Jesus holding on to, to the rope and you're on the other side. And see yourself being pulled out of your dark situation as He reveals His truth to you. And I want to assure you this morning that He will never let you down. Can someone say amen? amen. I want to assure you this morning there's one thing that we can rely on from this day on till the rest of our lives, till the end of our lives, that we can always rely on the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. At church, you would have seen there are communion elements all around the building this morning. And as we go through worship today, I want to ask you to come up as the Lord leads you. As the Lord reveals the magnitude of the cross to you and how everything else in your life pales in comparison to that. And when you take the communion elements today, give thanks from that position of complete abandonment to the power of the cross.
Remember this morning, church, that anxiety and thanksgiving cannot coexist. They cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So let us be a people that develop a habit of constantly giving thanks. Let us be known as that, that type of people. Because we know what our thanksgiving is rooted in. It is rooted in the unshakable foundation, the cornerstone that is Jesus Christ. Would you just stand up and shout the name of Jesus for a few moments in this place? Lift up the name of Jesus. Lift up your praises this morning. Lift your faith this morning. Keep going, church. Keep going. Let's, let's honor the Lord this morning. Raise your voices this morning. Thank Him this morning. There is nothing like that name. Let's just remain there, church. Let's just think about the, what the, the Word has been telling us this morning. And as I said, as the Lord leads you through worship today, I'm not going to lead you at any specific time. Just come forward and take the, the communion elements. Amen.